Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Hey, good morning, Jen. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Nice to be recording on this uh, snowy, snowy morning. I think we both got out to slash a little bit of a little bit of fresh. So that's always something to celebrate. Yeah, today was day one for me. It was a surprise. Day one, woke up ten inches, and I was like, "Oh, it's time to it's winter's here. Go do the thing that you love to do." So I hustled out of my house and made it happen, and realized we need so much more snow. <laughs> now I'm back here on my couch recording with you. Um, awesome. I'll have to say if you need some uh, tips and tricks on the getting ready for winter, I would encourage going back to a few steps to get ready for winter, backcountry beta series put on by coalition, our juicy bits episodes and getting ready for winter, everything for your, uh, you know, cute helmet strands to the errant $20 you find in your jacket pocket from last year. Or the lip we're doing that. Yeah, like in October. I did get a really nice lip gloss at uh, Far Out. And the little lip um, scrub. Is it? Yes. Well, it was scrub from Lamu. Super nice. Super nice. Mm-hmm. It was cute, too, because Micah picked them out because she thought they were so cute. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. These are much more like grown-up adulty products because you, you smash things and lose things. And these are like nice products for mommy. So yeah, you're, go to spend that $20 at Far Out. For our local listeners. All right. Where are we, Jen? Oh, this is what I wanted to actually talk to you about. And I had some questions for you. But first, I want to set a little context for our listeners if they have not yet um, found your Redefining Radical pieces on Substack. I know you've been sharing about them through Instagram. I think we talked a little bit about them early season. So why don't you give a little bit about that? And then I'll go into my questions. Because the last two weeks really had, there were some themes there that I want to dig a little deeper with you on. Yeah, so I um, I consider myself a writer. Uh, I have been working on a book, and by working, I mean occasionally writing things. Um, I have the absolute privilege and pleasure to be in writing group with Myrna Valerio and Rebecca Rush, which is wonderful. And we, I've been working, so I've been working on developing my writing. And I thought that one thing that I should do is have a formal writing practice where I'm held accountable by something that's outside of work, right? So I had this goal of starting my own newsletter, which I did when I was in Lamu 
um, this past summer. And I call it Redefining Radical. And it's all about um, sort of like pushing the boundaries and living life on our own terms, both in business and beyond. So it comes out once a week. That's the accountability part is that I have people who subscribe to it and I make sure I send it out once a week. Um, And what I love about it is that while I might be writing about like about my career or about work, I don't have to do it through the lens of, oh, what's the thing we need to discuss this week at Coalition Snow? Is there like an event or a promotion? Like it really just gets to be my writing. So um, I started that in July. And here we are in December and I've been publishing it every week and it's really fun and sometimes very hard because I don't, if I'm very tired, it's hard to write something creative or be creative and come up with an idea. But the last few weeks, I've been writing a lot about what it means to be a small business owner, um, particularly in this, uh, in another very, very challenging time which no one's calling a recession, but it's absolutely, the economy is absolutely fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and it's very, it's very difficult to be running a business right now. So I've just been writing a lot about that the past, I'd say month. Well, I feel like your creative, you know, your creative brain probably doesn't, it doesn't just exist, right? When you're sitting and writing, it's like, it happens for you when you're like, maybe on your yoga mat or like you're out in the mountains or you're out on your bike. And so I imagine there's so much that goes into these pieces before you actually like sit down to, to put the words together. But there was a question I had for you from a few weeks ago that you were writing about um, failure. Mm. And I can really relate to this opening part you put where you're really saying that you fail every day in one way or another. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, whether it's like in your job, your relationships, you know, I think of it as a parent where I'm like, okay, I like literally, am I I fucking up my kid today? Am I being a good mom? Am I I a terrible partner? Like, so that concept I think is really relatable for people. But what I also feel like it puts pressure on in your situation is the failure that relates when other people are counting on you for livelihood. Mm-hmm. So yes, you t- you spoke about failing in adulting, relationships, and even business, which I think is really vulnerable to share. But then you talk about he- each one of these failures leading to something positive. What I'm curious about is some of the muck and the fucked up mess and the headspace for someone who myself is, is kind of an overthinker that gets you from that place of failure, right, to that point of positivity, if that mm. makes sense. You know, like it does. what that process kind of looks and, and feels like? Because I think we could all use a little more clarity on that. Yeah, that's a good question. So I, off the top of my head, I feel like there's there's two reasons. Um, number one, this is what I do. If I can't figure out how to do it, then, then and, and by this is what I do, it's like I, I, run my own business. I write, I do, you know, that will, that could always shift and look a little bit different, but I'm not going to completely reinvent myself at 46, nor do I want to. Like, I like my life. I like what I've got going on. And so part of working through feeling like a failure and actually failing is that I have to do this again tomorrow. 
there is no option, right? Like there's there's no um, partner in my home to pay my rent. There's no trust fund. There's no, um, you know, stocks and bonds and crypto. Like this is, this is it. I have to make it work one way or another. And so uh, I think that there is that realism of if you wallow in your despair too much, you, you don't move forward and you don't do the things that, that you need to do. So there's an, there's sort of like an, uh, I wouldn't say an urgency cause I try not to be like hectic about things, but there's a necessity to be able to move, to move through it. Um, and then I think the other big thing is that I've been doing all this for so long that I think I'm just used to it. Like maybe I'm like, like totally beat down and I'm like, okay, this is what we do now. Or, you know, like, I. <laughs> but I have, I mean, I can think back to feeling like I wasn't doing well with coalition or with Zawadisha like a decade ago and feeling like, oh my God, is this it? Everything's going to be over. And now probably because I've been doing all this for more than a decade, I know, I feel like I know a lot of things that I need to do and they might be really difficult, but I know what to do and I, I don't feel destitute in it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just used to feeling things that don't feel good <laughs> and <laughs> recognizing that that's not the end of the world. It's actually part of life. And I am very grateful for my mental health and that I am, you know, I, I, I am not, um, immobilized by, my fear or the anxiety that I might have. Um, and that definitely, like, I know that a lot of people or not a lot of people, but many, many people, plenty of, of people do have mental health issues that, um, really exacerbate those, those feelings. And, and I, I don't, so I feel quite, quite fortunate about that, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a choice. I've been doing this for a really long time. So I'm used to it. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Great. Fuck. All right. And um, I think also, you know, part of the first two, part of um, recognizing that you need to carry on the next day and part of feeling comfortable with it is also just accepting the learning that comes with it and saying like, okay, well, I didn't do this today the way that I wanted to do it, or this didn't, the end result wasn't where I wanted it to be. What can I learn from that and try to do it differently? And that's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about um, rather than beating myself up. I'll just think like, okay, well, what, what can I learn from this so I don't do this shit again? And sometimes I do it again and sometimes I don't. It depends. It depends. Yeah, I think that is, that is life, right? What, where yeah. would we be if we were actually all like fully evolved having learned from the stupid shit? that we do or the things that we know that don't serve us. I feel like that's part of the practice, whether it's meditation or the time on our mat. I yeah. want to go back to something you said, which I really, I think will also resonate. I know it resonates with me, how you said, I won't allow myself to wallow for too long. Like I think it allows and is that invitation that it is okay to acknowledge when you're absolutely pissed or you're absolutely mm -hmm. stressed or you're fucking mm -hmm. annoyed that something just imploded. And then that, 
that that trick is is to not to sit and fester in it. And I appreciate yeah. how you brought up, you know, some humans, it's just, it's not, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just something that they are themselves grappling with. If it can be really um, paralyzing versus those, those moments when we're like, what do I do now? Right. What are, what are those next steps? And I do wish for you, Jen, this goes back to a, a conversation we had years ago when, when people would just be like, Oh, there's Gorecki like gallivanting around, you know? I wish for those gallivanting days to come in your future, but I also wish for those days, you know, I work in a very dysfunctional uh, profession. I think education has normalized dysfunction for, you know, for decades and decades and decades and decades. And, and one of the pieces I really value that I found myself in, in, in my current role is I work with a very small team, a very focused team, a dedicated team, which I could think is analogous to the team at coalition that you have where we are able to problem solve, get shit done, acknowledge what is really fucked up and actually aim to fix it. With that mm -hmm. said, the larger system can be so, so dysfunction, so, so much dysfunction. So here you are operating in this, you know, economy that the inflation is a fucking bitch right now. I can't even believe what like organic broccolini costs. Like you're just like, how do I still put gas in my car, pay all these bills and then you know, hopefully have money to go buy amazing skis at far out. So you're battling that. When I think of what also coalition's been put through in drought years, fucking pandemic, small business, the normalization of that, your your time is gonna come. It's coming. Whenever it comes, <laughs> we will fucking celebrate. I'm glad you can laugh about but I wish that for you and thank that for you because I think a lot of times we've had to normalize dysfunction, right? So I think that uh -huh. you can actually name it and recognize it and be like, all right, I'm just gonna like scream fuck in my apartment. I actually it was funny this morning I had a total fuck all moment and I was just on the chair by myself so I could just like scream it and it felt so fucking good. Um but back to, can, can I move? I had two more questions for you. I think we can do yeah, it yeah. in a bit. So when yeah. you were talking about the idea of failure, right? And then I, one of them led to something positive and you talked about engaging in difficult conversations. Now, I, mm. I don't need, we don't need to know all the details, but I want to know the, or you can go as, you know, as juicy as you want with this, but I think difficult conversations happen for people on the daily. And some of us can get, you know, intimidated out of them, or some of us can be great, you know, leaders in facilitating them, but give us a little bit around what a difficult conversation might look like for you, maybe a start to end or like your top two take homes of like, don't fucking do this. Cause this doesn't work. Yeah. Well, it's fine. So I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at what I wrote and, um, you know, I write about that I engaged in difficult conversations and like some I felt really good and another one I, I didn't feel good about. The one that I didn't feel good about, I, I continue to make that mistake and not feel good about it. And surprise, <laughs> surprise, that's a, uh, you know, a um, former romantic relationship that I just can't seem to like ever get those conversations correct. And I wish that the loose ends would be tied up, but they're not, which is how I end up engaging in conversation. So I have not learned my lesson on that one. Um, but the difficult conversation that I wrote about, well, I didn't write about it. I just said that it was long overdue. Um, it was actually with somebody who I, for many years have sort of worked tangentially, tangentially, tangentially. Tan Thank you. I think tangentially. 
with. Um, so, and the relationship has always been a bit stressed um, and not even so much stressed because of the interaction I've had with that person, but because of their business partner and my relationship with that person um, over many years and many situations became strained and how that impact, you know, how that um, impacted this other person who I work with a lot more now. And what had happened is I think we both just decided because we have to work together, nobody wants to have to work together in an uncomfortable or a um, dysfunctional or like a hectic um, environment. And so this person and I both, we don't really like, we don't try to level it up, right? Like we're like, okay, we know that these things have existed, but let's work together. But we had never really talked about the elephant in the room until one night a few bottles of wine might've been open. So we, we had to talk about something and we were pouring wine and then there was a lot of wine. Uh, I might've been a bit hungover the next day, but I did wake up and I was like, that was a hundred percent worth it because the conversations that we needed to have, we actually, we actually had. And, and this other person felt safe enough to come to me and say like, well, what about this and this and this? I heard this and this and this about you and this is what happened. And then I was able to, you know, share how I felt about it. And it just led to a lot of understanding. And since then, our relationship has grown as incredibly positive because we addressed the elephant in the room that neither one of us wanted to deal with for so long. Um, and so what I learned from that is maybe don't let those things sit for so long and maybe try to have the courage that you need to have to, to go to people. And it was a really, um, it was not a stressful conversation. There wasn't this big arc of it, you know, being, you know, getting quite difficult and then calming. Like it, it wasn't, we didn't argue. We didn't exchange words. We just had a conversation, but it was, you know, we're talking about years of things that we thought about the other person or the other person's business. Um, and so that felt really good. And it was like a good reminder uh, to me that I can have difficult conversations with people in a really like positive and nurturing way. And I think that that was quite surprising to this other person. <laughs> I mean, I have a reputation. Yeah, yeah, but but I'm not a monster, you know. I, I'm I'm a, I'm actually like quite a reasonable uh, and caring person. Um, just because I'm outspoken and I don't take shit doesn't mean that I like run around and like hammer people, you know. So, but it was it it was really good. So that was that was like one of a few difficult conversations that I've that I've been having that have just just shown me that like difficult like having difficult conversations are necessary. And I think so often we pull away from them um, rather than having them because we want to remove ourselves from discomfort, mm -hmm. but we lose so much. We miss out on so much by not acknowledging that discomfort is a part of, of daily life. And that's something that we need to come to terms with and we need to get used to it. And it's really about how we choose to deal with it versus trying to not have discomfort in our lives. That's been, I think, a big, a big thing for me. You will have discomfort in your life every day. How do you choose to deal with it rather than trying to avoid discomfort in your life? I think the idea of avoiding, like, it, you know, 
uh, indefinitely is, is really dangerous. But I do think sometimes that healthy amount of time that can pass can be really Mm -hmm. valuable. And another thing that I love, which it kind of makes me think of it in the example you shared, and this is not my saying, and I can't remember where I found it from, but it's, it, it literally gets me through the day now. And it's this idea that our thoughts are real, but they're not always true. Right. And what Mm. we do to our own brains and our own heads, like you were saying, what you and this other person maybe thought about one another or thought about the business, we can carry that with us sometimes in a way that we are literally making up our own shit in our head. That's not a hundred percent. And what a concept. I I have a colleague who we we worked in in a challenging department a few years ago before the lockdown in education and we had like a pact it was like we will take that 15 seconds of discomfort to speak out in our meeting because we know it's going to save us like hours and hours later so again to mm-hmm. your point of that discomfort sometimes it is that like no i won't be intimidated in this moment no i won't let this statement go you know un unresponded to and then doing it in the way where you're like oh my god maybe that actually is going to have everybody feel better because i think at the core nobody wants to be fucking uncomfortable all day nobody wants to feel like shit right nobody wants to feel as though their business um relationships are not built on trust and communication i think it's a matter of, of how, how we get there so i do think that well, time can sometimes be valuable mm-hmm. well and the Women in particular have been conditioned to keep things comfortable. That is that is our role to 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 keep the peace, to keep things comfortable in the home, in in relationships, in the in the workplace. And when I interact with men professionally or or observe them, they don't operate from that. They they also don't necessarily operate from a place of purposefully trying to create dis- discomfort, but they certainly aren't hung up on every word that comes out of their mouth and how is someone going to feel. And obviously we don't want to be, you know, just because men can do that doesn't mean that we want to do what men can do. It's just an observation that they move through the world and in conversation in a very different way. And women are conditioned to make things comfortable but what happens is the things that need to get said oftentimes don't get said mm-hmm. because of that fear of what what will happen. What will happen if we speak our truth? What will happen if we speak the truth? Even look at um, you can look at currently what's happening in Gaza and the number of people who are willing to say the word genocide. It is actually happening in front of us right now. It is. You have 15,000 civilians killed, half of whom are children with unnecessary force of a government fight fighting what a a terrorist like it doesn't even it's not even a war the humanitarian crisis is significant it violates all doctrines of war and so there's and there's people who will not say the word genocide because they want they don't want to upset other people but what will be lost what will be lost when we don't say the things that are true, you know, and, and, and we, we shouldn't always have to feel like we have to make other people feel okay and feel good. That's not our job. People have their own feelings that they are responsible for. It is not our responsibility to control other people's feelings and the resulting behavior. 
uh, we should be able to show up in the world with truth as long as that truth is um, buoyed and padded by um, empathy and um, kindness. You should be able to say what what you need to say. And, and there's there's pretty significant consequences for not. Yeah, I agree. And there's definitely consequences for playing um, with the value of human life. And I think that's yeah. probably, to me, one of the most dangerous things from that we're experiencing right now in the lack of, of naming what's really happening and understanding that you just, you cannot, you know, we should not be a bunch of power hungry, insane people in positions of political leadership playing games with human life. And that I think, um, yeah, at the core of that is what really kind of drives it home as a, as a part of the insanity in which we're, we're surviving through on the day to day, which is another reason for the, screaming of expletives and the importance to uh, take care of one's mental health and, and have a positivity and community, right? Which kind of mm-hmm. you, you speak to here in, in a really valuable way. But the last question I have for you, and I'm curious what you think about this, in mm-hmm. um, the the next piece, in the next newsletter on Redefining Radical, you talk, it's mm-hmm. almost like a, a success, I don't want to say into a failure, but sort of like a, a success that can let me ask my question. I think you'll see what I mean. So you shared about the post that resonated really well with people, right? The post about being a small business and like wanting um, support. And you're like, here's the people behind this business. It might not be what you think. Mm. And you're like, this is awesome. Everybody reposted it. They liked it. They commented, (laughs) but it didn't translate into like, come on people buy the fucking shit. Right. Or where's the money? not like that, but you know what I mean? And so I feel like there's sometimes that that positivity or that feeling of quote unquote success in the interwebs and the social world and what that can do. But how does that actually translate into the fucking work that needs to be done or for better, like people's support. Right. I don't know if we, I don't know if you can touch it's, on that. I, I totally got the question. question. Yeah, I totally get it. So, um, what Jillian, so the, the first article that Jillian was referring to in my redefining radical newsletter that, that it's called is it failure what she's referring to now the post title is slowing down and we had uh, posted on both coalition and myself had posted on instagram the series of slides where i had handwritten a note and basically the whole point was you know if we're feeling tight you're feeling tight too like we this is difficult and we understand this and but we're all in this together, like support small, small businesses. Like we strategically posted this to Instagram the Monday before Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all of that of like support small, small businesses. If we don't have something that you want or that you need, go to another small business. And, you know, you, you look at the data that comes out of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and retail sales increased by 6% from the year past. It was captured primarily at Amazon and primarily in beauty products and electronics. And so we were trying to make this point of like, if you want small businesses to exist, if you want our business to exist, that favorite coffee shop of yours, that favorite restaurant, any of it, you actually have to give them money because that is, we have all agreed. We have all agreed to play that game. The game's called capitalism. We all have agreed to it. And um, some of us more than others, like, you know, I've agreed to it in the sense that I've started a business, but I've started a business that is um, 
does it that sort of exists outside of traditional parameters of capitalism, which is probably why we never make enough money. But the post resonated significantly. With, significantly, we had like some of the ho- highest number of likes and shares saves that we've ever seen, and yet our sales did not mirror that enthusiasm. And one of the things that I struggle with is I have I have created a business and, and potentially more than one business. You could argue that Zawadisha is, is the same way where what people love the most about us isn't necessarily the product that we sell, but the message that we send um, and the, the work that we do and the impact that we make. And um, but at the end of the day, like we don't, I'm not in a position where I can freely share that message or the company doesn't get to share this message or have this impact or do this work in the industry if we're not able to sell things. And, and then it, you know, it begs the question of like, well, it's just, is this the wrong business? Should, should we stop selling skis and snowboards and do something else? And I think those very people who don't buy skis and snowboards would actually say, no, keep making skis and snowboards because that's the interesting thing, right? Like, that's what that's the interesting thing in snowboards. Like if we made beanies, people would be like, "Oh fuck, whatever, beanies, lady. That's not interesting." You know, it's because we manufacture a product that women don't normally do. Because and and uh, that's what's that's that's what's interesting about it. But um, yeah, I don't I don't have the answer. I do not know the. This is okay, listeners. This is this is the question. If you have insight into this, fucking email me, okay? I think about this all the time. Think about this all the time. I talk to Sarah about this all the time. This is not the first time Jillian and I have discussed this. We talk about this shit all the time. How how what is it that we can do to become a financially sustainable business because people don't want to see us go away? But yet those very same people who don't want to see us go away do not financially support us at all. And there's a there's a disconnect there. I actually, this is fascinating too. We have, you know, we send out our emails, not my personal email, but the, you know, lady parts and our um, promotional emails that we send out at Coalition. Our email list has doubled in the past year. Doubled. Like we we do good things. Like we, we set goals and we meet these, we meet these goals. The way that these email service providers work for businesses now is you can create segments and you can understand people's behavior to send them a better email essentially. So I can go into Clavio, which is our email service provider. And I can make a segment of people who have opened up an email in the last like 30 days or 90 days and have been to the website but have never purchased anything. And I ran, I I actually did a segment of people who consistently open our emails, visit the website, but haven't purchased anything in over a year. And um, it's like over 15,000 people. So over 15,000 people read my Lady Parts newsletter every week. And there's not a single penny moving through that at all 
and that's fascinating to me that like I have something interesting and relevant enough for people that they choose to open up my email every single week. Well, not every single week, but enough, right? Like they're reading lady parts and lady parts and redefining radical are the most similar because it's just like what's in my brain, right? Um, 15,000 people and the majority like, and there's more people who open it, but it's like literally like less than less than a quarter of people who open that email have ever financially supported us. And that's wild to me. That's wild. Cause obviously we create some, some value for you, right? Like there's value that's being created. I don't know. I don't know what the humans are. I don't know. What well, it's fascinating. And it's kind of also complex and a little weird because those same people could be unsubscribing. Right. Um, and they're not. So right. that, again, the, there, right. there's things that you can kind of measure it against. I know one that I feel like I'm on the coalition naughty list for that I actually was more fascinated <laughs> to see what was going to happen was I love that you sent out a like, hey, um, all the all the cyber sales are coming up. If you if you don't want those. Like, yeah. let us know. And I was like, this is so fucking thoughtful. Cause like I'm moving into a window where I know I'm going to be off. We were, you know, off the grid for our holiday. I wasn't, um, you know, spending a penny on Friday or Monday, just some like family value, financial goals that we had set. And I was like, opt. Cause I get my uh, coalition ones on, on my multiple emails. So I was like, I'm going to see what yeah. happens to this. And then I didn't, it was like, Pah! and I was like, Oh, Oh no. I was like, Jen, I did. <sighs> how do I send a message to let you know I love you? But like, I actually like that you're going to not, I'm not going to see those emails this week. I didn't know that you, I didn't know that you opted out just so you know, I don't actually, I have, I do not, I do not have the time, nor do I care to go through and be like, who, like, no, the point is, but I thought it was very cool. Cause I was like, no, I want to read all the things. I want this stuff. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to shop on these days. I got my like, you know, small business Saturday. I got my two, you know, you have like your values and your plans, which actually could speak to what you just did for the big ask for listeners, where and how, what does that look like? Right. Does it come in the form of people are spending less, buying less? I mean, I think of something you're doing with second tracks right now. Like I have a great pair of SOSs that just went to coalition, a pair of Nieves. There's also things that you create that are like tiered in terms of like meeting people's financial needs. And I think that's something that not all companies do, right? There's so Mm -hmm. much. So maybe we'll get a little insight to that as our listeners are still with us in this episode, understanding all the things we're trying to figure out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's what, you know, like, so we, we sell, you know, brand new skis and snowboards. We sell used skis and, and snowboards. We sell apparel. We uh, run group trips. I've been putting heaps of stuff from the shop on the website. We have Coalition Clubhouse that you can financially support. And that support goes to diversi- uh, diversifying the out- outdoors. Um, the last chunk of money that we raised in the clubhouse, we I just sent over to Nia Brinkley, who's, um, I believe, the only level three certified black female snowboarder in the United States. She's on our ambassador team. I just sent her money so she could register for the National Brotherhood um, of Skiing um, um, Summit coming up. So, like, we do these things. Like, we have all these different ways. Um, and now, and I think that's one reason why I started my personal newsletter too, is people can subscribe, people can pay. So if you're one of those people who's coming to Lady Parts, um, you know, who reads Lady Parts or listens to this podcast, 
and is like, oh, I this this provides so much value that there's that it's it's you know worth me um, putting a little money behind it um, for that reciprocity. Then like my newsletter exists for that too. But I do think one of the biggest issues is I don't think people are bad. I don't think people don't support us. I don't think people are telling us to fuck off. I actually don't. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's that. Again, it's like the the conditioning in a capitalist society of what is valuable and what is worth spending money on. So we like creative ideas and words and thoughts like aren't just it's why teachers don't get paid enough, right? Um, you have you have these various professions that are some of the most important professions and don't earn as much as as other professions that arguably don't provide the same value to um, society. And I think that, you know, for me as someone who is a creator and a, a writer, um, you know, if if I did something, if I sold TVs, I'd probably have a lot more people would come buy things from me if I sold t- TVs, but I don't, you know, so I think that <laughs> I'm serious. Um, if, if I sold some shit, you could throw away in two months and come back and buy, buy, buy it more. Um, obsolescence. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's, that's part of it is, is what do we value? Why do we value it? What do we, what do we think is, is worthy of, of, of our support? Um, and what do we spend money on without ever considering it? You know, there's a lot to, there's a, there's a lot to work through with that, but We'll see. Listeners, I'm serious. I want to hear from you. Yeah. You go back and hit rewind. You listen to my ask. You reach mm-hmm. out to us. You know how to find us. Just send a message. It'll eventually get to us. Yeah. <laughs> However you choose to find us on social or on the website, it'll get to us. And keep and maybe that- we'll get some good feedback and we can we can talk about that in the next episode. I was going to say, keep the conversation going and include um, include our listeners out there. Grecky, mm-hmm. always a pleasure to, to tackle Likewise, friend. things in the world and in our heads and hearts with you. And again, listeners, thank you for your support if you're still with us. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I, li- I feel like everyone's like, so like, I'm still here. I want my thank you. We know you are. Jen's got like oh, stats on it. 80% of listeners make it to the end of the episode. I'm just kidding. Yay. I made that up. All right. Well, till okay. next time, my friend. Much love. Next time. <laughs>